personal privilege? Yes. To be honest, I don't know most of these guys. This is Armstrong and Getty. On both sides. It is what it is. But hey, we've made it possible. With ridiculous bull. Hey, man. So then I was like, yay! All right, go, go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. So you're going to have to set up this story for me. I don't know the participants. Chris Cuomo is an obnoxious, self righteous, biased. Pain in the Heine, CNN uh, anchor. He was hanging out in uh, Shelter Island, New York. He's related to the other Cuomo's that I've heard of, though. Yes, yeah. And uh, and he is uh, he's terrible. He's so smug. And evidently, some guy uh, <laughs> called him Fredo in this bar he's in. Um, for, <laughs> well, what he said specifically was, um, wait a second, I have that. I know it was you, Fredo, which is a line from The Godfather, The Godfather Part 3, right? No, three? no, no, no. That's that's early on. Or that's when, that one? That's when they're down. Yeah, that's when they're down in Cuba, mm. and uh, the revolution hits, and Michael grabs him by the face when all the S is going down, and they got to leave uh, They got to leave Havana, and he grabs him by the face. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart, and he kisses him on the lips. Right. That's kind of the break of their relationship, because Fredo... Was his older brother, but didn't get to be the power because right. he was such a dope. <laughs> and then Fredo, spoiler alert, ends up, uh, uh, well, not alive. And, he goes uh, out on Lake Tahoe in a boat. Right, exactly, and does not come back. It's very odd. He may be there still. But the but, idea is that you're you're the member of the family that's kind of an embarrassment and needs to be taken care of. Right. Uh, one more note before we play it, Positive Sean. The actor who played Fredo only appeared in five movies. All of them nominated for Best Picture. Wow. That's, that's, that's a, pretty impressive. A good movie trivia. But um, so anyway. I, I didn't know Rush Limbaugh regularly refers to Chris Cuomo as Fredo. That's, I, a, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good blast. That is funny. Because and, his, his brother's governor and his dad was governor. And Oh, that's a good shot. Okay, so here's how it went. I hope this is bleeped. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, much- Fredo is from The Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your and brother? And they used it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? It's a f***ing insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that, is that a cool f***ing thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll f***ing play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But don't be the fault of your f***ing Hey, listen. What? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't f*** me like that. I didn't insult you. Call me Fredo. It's like I call you punk. You like that? You want well, that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. I, you I, called me Fredo. You I know thought, my name's not Fredo. I thought your name was. You did not think my name was Fredo. Don't be a liar. I thought you you want to be a man. Stand listen, up like a man. I'm standing up, man. You want to be a man out yeah. here. Then own what you said. Listen, Take man, him, I don't yeah, have what? a problem with you, man. Yeah, you're going to have a problem. What? What are you going to do about it? I'll ruin you. I'll throw you down these stairs like a punk. Wow. Well, I don't know nice. how I feel about that. Because, I mean, yeah, nice. I, 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 I've never liked the whole, I get to walk up to celebrities and, and, and say anything I want to them, and they can't do anything back to me. He greeted him. Fact. Hey, Fredo. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not cool with that. Listen, I, I am not either. I feel guilty for how much I'm enjoying this, which is a great deal. On the other hand, Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity. Tweeted, good for Cuomo. 
He's out with his nine-year-old daughter's wife, and this guy's being a jackass in front of his yeah, family. That's the way I feel about it. In my humble opinion, Chris Cuomo has zero to apologize for. He deserves the apology. I, I told that him is glad. one of the more stand-up things I've heard uh, Sean Hannity say. I'm glad Hannity said days, that, because I feel that way, too. That whole, you're an athlete, you're a movie star, so I can walk up and say anything to you in public, and you can't do anything about it, because people got their cell phones out. And if you respond anyway, then you're a jerk, I guess. I, I've never liked that. Yeah, but I'm not anyway. that, even though I can't stand Chris Cuomo. On the other hand, I'm not sure Fredo is like the N-word for Italians. <laughs> that's that's quite a thing to yeah, say. Point, point of contention there, Mr. Cuomo. <laughs> on the but, other hand, he's pissed. On the he's other thinking hand, he might have to fight a guy. Donald J. Trump jumped into it with a tweet today. And of on course, the not-often-seen third hand. And that will, of course, calm things down. Yes, finally. Mm-hmm. Right. When Trump tweets about it, it will calm things down. Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language and total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. <laughs> that oh, was, that's about the, the red flag gun yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. Look at the <laughs> likes being racked up on the Twitter. It looks like a, 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 a slot machine in oh Vegas. God. The numbers are twirling so he fast. He shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. He's nuts. <laughs> what? That's oh not God. that's not the same Donald Trump who's currently the president. No, right? that's the president of the United <laughs> States trolling someone just for his own amusement. Oh, wow. These <laughs> bing, are, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, These bing. are odd times. Oh, you think? Wow. I knew it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. That, that might be the best scene in all of the Godfather movies. Yeah. That moment right then. Yeah. I have not seen those movies in a dog's age. They age in well. In two dog's ages. They age well. It's not like you watch something and think, why did I like this so much? It's not like that at all. Is three bad yes. because it's bad, or is it bad in comparison to the magnificent masterpieces that one and two were? Jack, I, your opinion. I only saw it in the theater three. I've seen one and two each 20 times. Yeah. I only saw three in the theater, and I thought it was okay, and I've always wondered that. Was it because of the expectations, and or is it actually bad? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Godfather 3. Well, okay. Well, one I don't and want to two are on that. freaking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, speaking of popular culture, if we're done kicking and or defending Chris Cuomo, who is obviously uh, uh, nuts and should not have a weapon. Fredo. We should add the clip of Fredo from The Godfather when he's standing up for us. I'm smart! I'm smart, too. Right. That's a great idea. That's what Chris Cuomo is saying. Five minutes late. <laughs> That's something smart people say all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, I hesitate to bring this up because there may be, well, there's very little that is more over-discussed by baby boomers than Woodstock. Mm. Freaking, freaking Woodstock. Um, perhaps the Beatles. I'm a huge Beatles fan, but enough. I've heard enough. If I'd like to listen to the music, and I often do, I will do that. I don't need any more discussion. On the other hand, if you're into the rock and roll music like I am, one thing to know about Woodstock, and I've wondered this for years. Well, the the answer is fairly obvious. but So they didn't really figure out the bathrooms and the gates and the tickets and the food and the sanitation, and it was pretty chaotic. And it all went pretty well, which is why everybody's so... Uh, starry-eyed, reminiscing about the whole thing. It really was kind of peace, love, and understanding in rock and roll for a very long time. There were problems, but it all came off okay for chaos. Um, but the one thing they got right is they had uh, the uh, capacity to tape and film like everything, and they got it right, which is amazing, which is why there have been such great documentaries, and you've seen so many great performances from what was essentially chaos. Well, 
Rhino Records, Rhino, is releasing a 10-CD, 5-LP, 3-CD digests. Those are the edits, Jack. Those are the, for those who are just somewhat interested, the 10-CD set or the 3-CD. But they're also releasing a what's described here as a fascinating, exhaustive, and sometimes exhausting 38-CD set. I think it's everything. Everything that was played at that rock festival takes full advantage of live microphones, constantly rolling tape from both backstage and on stage. Um, even has the between set announcements, which if you've ever heard them, because there are no cell phones, there are no pagers, there's nothing. It's a long string of Joe Getty, Joe Getty, your friends are looking for you. Meet them at the uh, whatever. Meet them at the second tower on my left. Joe Getty, the second tower. Jack Armstrong. Jack, your wife's looking for you. Boy, who Meet her at the bathrooms, the women's bathroom. And I can get that on CD? Positive Sean. And yeah. listen to it whenever I want. Right, and the warning's about all the bad acid, and it's not just the famous brown acid from the Woodstock film. There are all sorts of bad actors uh, selling bad drugs to people. But yeah, um, And also, you didn't know this, the constant war of sit down, stand up, <laughs> which went on for days, a concert staple. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah a lot of that stuff from the 60s I think could not possibly be more overrated and uh when when the generation that that meant something to dies off it will be lost to history cuz it doesn't mean a freaking thing. The, I like the music fine there's some good music in in the uh, the whole Woodstock concert that I've mm-hmm. listened to a million times but the, the the importance of it zero zero importance in history it will be lost forever. Well, I was reading... Big freaking deal. If I never heard another word about it, I would, I would pay to never hear another word about Woodstock in my life. So John Perellis, who is there, who still writes for the utterly unreadable, yet still good New York Times in some ways, um, he's got a great article, Woodstock at 50, The Contradictions, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think my favorite, um, my favorite sentence from this, if I can find it was that what appeared to be a, a political force and a movement and a culture just became a demographic to right. be marketed to. Yeah, sure. Which of is course. fine, but that's what it was. I remember being young. Music seems like it's so freaking important. And right. then when you get older, you realize eh, it's not that important. <laughs> it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. It's great. It soothes the soul. I'm still the music freak that I was as a kid, but I don't take it very seriously. But it's, it's, not, it's not changing a lot of minds on a lot of issues. No. Or any. Mm, Maybe you haven't heard this one that's changing hearts and minds across America. Americans are slow to wake up. Once we do wake up, we slam it like nobody's business. Slam it. 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 I'm running for president because it is time for this generation of Americans to slam it. Yes, I want that on my phone for my alarm in the morning. Oh, Mar- I love that. I'm energized. Every time I hear it, I'm energized. Marianne Williamson. I like the really high ones. Slam it. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if she was president? Yes, I can. Every morning it'd be like some horrifying dictatorship, but instead of compliance is mandatory. No, she'd say, "Hey, America, let's slam it. Slam, we slam, slam it. it like nobody's business. Slam it. Slam, 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 slam. And you think slam you're walking in your car, your train, whatever. You think I am going to slam it? I'll throw you down these stairs like a punk. 
No, Chris Cuomo, you're wrong. She's right. You get up in the morning, you're going to slam it. I would call up the president of New Zealand and say, girlfriend. (laughs) Please be on the stage for the next debate. Please, please, please. What does it take? Holster calls me. I know what I'm telling him. Marianne Williamson. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. My daughter, Delaney, tells a funny story about uh, flying into LaGuardia for the first time. It is dingy. It's striking. Yeah, she had to get from whatever it was, a Terminal A to Terminal B. And she couldn't figure out how, and she asked somebody, and they said, follow me. She goes down this long hallway, just the two of them, this employee and her, come through here, he says. They walk through this door. He says, wait here. She's waiting there alone, like in the lobby between a door and a staircase. A few minutes later, come the guy comes back with a few more people. All right, follow me. They go down this staircase. She's thinking, is this where I get killed? Is this how it ends? <laughs> wow. And they say, all right, come out of here. Wait, a bus is going to appear in about five minutes. And then the guy disappears. Five minutes later, I'll be damned. There's a bus. Get on the bus. <laughs> the guy says. Bus takes him to another door. Go in there. <laughs> and she said, at no point did anybody explain what was going on or what. And everybody's like, yeah. Can't believe people need to get from Terminal yeah, A to yeah. effing Terminal B. That's New York, though. And now, yeah. Finally, they said, all right, go up those stairs. And there she is in Terminal B. But it was like this weird <laughs> ad hoc, you got to know somebody. He happens to know a guide. He's the descendant of the Algonquin Indians, and he knows how to. It's very weird. And there's rats working at Cinnabon. Jack, did you know that the moon is a sphere that travels once around the Earth every 27.3 days? I didn't know it was 27.3. I'd like to thank Ross for sending us this uh, this fascinating piece of uh, literature slash uh, journalism. Uh, most of the time, the full moon isn't perfectly full. We always see the same side of the moon, but part of it is in shadow. Only when the moon, earth, and sun are perfectly aligned is the moon 100% full. And that alignment produces a lunar eclipse, which takes all the fun out of it. Once in a blue moon, ha, that's when you have two uh, full moons in a month. Blue moon. <laughs> We came back with uh, Nick Drake's classic Pink Moon, by the way, which was in like a VW ad at one point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Is that a real moon? Is that a moon? A pink? Oh, are you kidding? Yes, it is. Absolutely. So you got a lot of different uh, moon pink names. Moon. Um, including uh, in North America, your January moon's the wolf moon. Then you got your snow moon, worm moon, pink moon. Worm moon. Flower moon. Strawberry moon. Buck moon. That was my name when I was at Hollywood Stuntman. Buck moon. Uh, yeah. The sturgeon moon, the harvest moon, the hunter's moon, the beaver moon, known for its buck teeth and flat tail, and the cold moon. Uh, most of those names, uh, actually, I mentioned the Algonquin tribes. That's because uh, they were on my mind. Uh, a lot of those names come from the Algonquins, for whatever reason. But there are moon nicknames from other cultures, too, including the Chinese moons, which have some some very lovely names, including May's dragon moon. And my very favorite, the July full moon, the title of my horror thriller, Hungry Ghost Moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something, something scary. Insert here. And uh, China's also got the holiday moon. 
the budding moon, the sleepy moon, the dragon moon, the lotus moon, the harvest moon, the uh, the bitter moon, which is the one that shines in my skies. <laughs> Twelve months a year. Well, let's see. A bitter moon. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, and some of these are just great album names. I'm going to use these for the next DFers album if we make one. Uh, let's see. You got your hay moon, buck moon, thunder moon, mead moon, grain moon, sturgeon moon, red moon, work moon, corn moon, dog moon. Dog moon's not bad. Barley moon, harvest moon, corn moon, harvest moon again. Hunter's moon, blood moon, hunter's moon again. Beaver moon, uh, oak moon, cold moon, long night's moon. Do we uh, at any point find out why so many different cultures decided to need, they needed to name the moons? I don't know, sugar moon. That's uh, September's moon in some culture or another. Egg moon, fish moon, seed moon, pink moon, waking moon. Uh, let's see anything else. The honeymoon. Oh, that's an actual, actual moon. honeymoon. Yeah, the honeymoon, which moon. is known for you know it's sex, travel, drinking, and 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 sex. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. I don't know why you have to name a moon, but uh, uh, tis the harvest moon, boy. So old people can yell at it, young people, <laughs> I guess, in October in New England. It's a full moon, Dad. There's the harvest moon. <laughs> All right, because what? Harvest is going on? I could have figured that out. What do you call that one when the worms come out of the the, the, the ground? That's the worm moon, boy. All right. Why do you keep pointing at me when you say this? <laughs> so what do you call gnarled the, finger What do you call the moon when it's time to put the seeds in the ground? That's a seed moon. That's okay, seed moon, starting, you young jackass. Well, I'm starting to get the hang of how you name the moons, then. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. San Francisco has a plan for expanding the forced treatment of the mentally ill. It's forced? worth uh, delving into a little bit later on in the show. Forced yeah. treatment of mentally ill. That's that a tough is, one. Oh, it's one of the toughest uh, topics you can have in a, a free society. When do you deny people their freedom if they're troubled? Tough line to cross. Uh, and and crazy people are definitely, uh, and I say that with no disrespect, are definitely part of the West Coast bum explosion. But we've always been saying, let's figure out how much of a part. What are we dealing with? One size does not fit all in this problem. And um, there's, a, there's this piece in the California Globe, which is a publication I really wasn't familiar with, but it's a, a fabulous, long, detailed, carefully researched piece about the homeless industrial complex. And it begins with long descriptions of the tens of thousands of people living in tents in Los Angeles, for instance. Rats have taken over the city. Multiple rodent-borne, flea-borne illnesses, plague, typhus, lice, louse-borne illnesses, measles, tuberculosis, typhus, hepatitis, shigella. Uh, a communicable form of diarrhea is now running nah. rampant. Trench fever, whatever that Trench is. Trench fever. As reported by the Atlantic earlier this year, medieval diseases are infecting uh, California's homeless. Well, you hate to get trench fever from a rat in the year 2019. There are probably 130,000 or more uh, homeless people, bums, whatever, in in California, living on sidewalks, parks, parking lots, vacant lots, no sanitation or trash collection, and and. They In this piece, they describe the enormous amount of money being thrown around. In L.A., voters approved, this is in 2016, Measure Triple H, allocated $1.2 billion in bonds to build 10,000 housing units to house the homeless. 
Since then, L.A. voters approved a quarter-cent sales tax increase, and uh, and they've housed hundreds of people with their billions of dollars. Every major city in California is spending 10 or more on homeless. Most of the money is being wasted. Why? Because the homeless industrial complex is getting filthy rich, wasting the money while the homeless population swells. And they talk about the enormous price tag per unit of these building projects. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions, because if your intentions are good and it seems noble, nobody asks any questions. Because to be skeptical of these programs is to be a bad person. If the program is good and has good intentions, then by definition, anybody against it is a bad person when you get to these, you know, these feel-good programs. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to be inside one of these things, because even in business, you have to work really hard to not waste money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to work hard at it, and you've got every, you and all your employees have great reason to not want to waste money, and it's still hard. If you have no push factors against wasting money, which you don't in these things, imagine how much money gets wasted. Yeah, it's tremendous and stolen. Venice Beach, 1,000 homeless or so. They've taken over virtually every public ben- venue, including the famous beach. Um, and there's the uh, the tents or pop up drug retailers, brothels. To get these folks off the streets and off the beach, a 154 shelter a bed shelter, 154 beds has been approved by the city council. It'll be a wet shelter. Druggies and drunkards are welcome. The estimated cost for the shelter is so far is eight million dollars, which is over fifty thousand dollars per bed, and nobody asks why. Um, there's, you know, $8 million to put up some large tents and plumb for bathrooms and kitchens. Human nature would be if you make a shelter for homeless and it costs $50,000 per bed and somebody gets that money, construction companies, you know, all kinds of different companies, uh, plumbers, people who sell beds, everything. They're all mm-hmm. making money off of it. Right. If, if you, if, if nobody says $50,000 per bed, how would you not think next time around, might as well make it $60,000 per Let's bed. try it. What, what, why not? For instance, back to measure Triple H, told that the new permanent supporting housing, permanent supportive housing would cost about $140,000 a unit. The taxpayers were are now uh, finding out that the average unit per cost is going to be, uh, cost per unit, I'm sorry, this is w- w- worded strangely, I'm trying to translate on the fly, but it's now up to $440,000. Per unit, Whoa. not a hundred and forty, which is extraordinary, but four hundred and forty thousand dollars per unit. A privately funded development company, Flyaway Homes, has de- debuted in Los Angeles with the mission of rapidly providing housing for the homeless. Because people with good hearts are willing to throw money at this problem, and then people just waste it. Here's another complex that's going to be two hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars per two-bedroom apartment. Uh, let's see. Here's another complex, $450,000 per apartment, utterly unsustainable. Now, and, and, and it's really good, and we'll have a link so you can find it at armstrongandgetty.com, but then they get to um, uh, solutions, which will gladden your heart. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. And then how much of a solution is this anyway, these various places that people get to stay, in terms of them not con- either staying there the rest of their lives or just going back to being homeless? So here's the prescription. And in the the final the summary I like of the problem section, money is squandered and the population of homeless people multiplies. This is not compassion in action; rather, it's corruption in action. 
Here's the way, here's the way to rein in the homeless industrial complex. Number one, acknowledge there's a problem. Agree that it's no longer acceptable to throw money at the homeless epidemic without questioning all of the current proposals and the underlying premises. Billions of dollars are being wasted. Admit it. Two, recognize that a special interest, the homeless industrial complex, comprised of developers, government bureaucrats, and activist nonprofits, have taken over the homeless agenda and turned it into a profit center. They're not going to solve the problem. They're going to milk it. I've mentioned this before. Growing up in Chicagoland, I became aware of uh, how the nonprofits and the charity organizations were utterly corrupt. There Zillions of dollars were pouring through them, and their only job, their only real job, was making sure everybody showed up to vote Democrat every uh, election cycle in the city of Chicago. It's a giant scam. Um, Their PR firms will sell the the compliant media a feel-good story about someone who turned their life around, living in a fine new apartment. What they won't tell you is that because of the $400,000 they charge to build that single apartment unit, dozens, if not hundreds of people, are still on the street with nothing. Number three, act at the municipal and state level to set a limit on the cost per shelter bed. This cost must represent a compromise between ideal facilities for homeless people and what is affordable at a scale sufficient to solve the problem. There's no reason the capital cost for a shelter bed should be $50,000 each. But that's exactly what's been proposed in some of the cities we talked about, or over 400000 in in Los Angeles, but that's what they cost. It's outrageous. This is good. Four, stop differentiating between bridge housing, which is basic shelter, and permanent supportive housing. Permanent supportive housing is bridge housing. Amenities better than a durable, dry, sole occupancy tent and a porta potty can belong exclusively in the realm of privately funded nonprofits and charities until there isn't a single homeless person left on the street. Not one penny of taxpayer money should be paying for anything beyond basic bridge housing. Number five, accept that homeless shelters will be more cost-effectively constructed and operated. Oh, they talk about where they ought to be. That's kind of, that's an interesting topic, but, um, kind of off the, uh, off the beaten path. Uh, go to court, challenge the decision in Jones versus the city of Los Angeles that ruled law enforcement and city officials can no longer enforce the ban on sleeping on sidewalks anywhere within the LA city limits until a sufficient amount of permanent supportive housing could be built. That's an insane ruling going back to what we were just saying earlier that you can find a judge to say about anything, including something idiotic. Uh, file a state ballot referendum to overturn Prop 47 in California, which downgraded drug and property crimes. The cops are beside themselves. They can't arrest people for crimes anymore. And this is, these two are the key. These are what you memorize. And I'm going to do number 10 first, then number nine. Confront the fact that a lot of homeless people are homeless by choice, not because they've run out of options, but they don't want help. Act accordingly. Do we give these people control over our public spaces, our neighborhoods, our parks and beaches? And what of the others, the mentally ill, the substance abusers, the criminals? Do we give them control over our public spaces? And really, that flows from number nine. Recognize that the rights of the homeless must be balanced with the rights of citizens, local residents. And that homeless accommodation should be safe, but should never be better than the cheapest unit of commercial housing. And again, who has control over the public spaces? The citizens and taxpayers or the junkies that's, that's and the, the bums. The very thing I brought up when I spoke at a city council meeting. Who is the park mostly for? 
Who gets the priority here? Currently, where I live, uh, the priority went to the homeless. So the taxpayers that paid millions of dollars for this park don't get to use the park. And listen, we, you know, we're heard in way too many cities and towns to do this, but I would love to rally folks semi-regularly. Maybe you can form an organization like the Tea Party Movement in your town or your county. Keep track of when the city council meeting is going to be. And if you show up with 10 people, who do the two minutes or whatever your town or county allows to speak about these are our spaces. They can't be controlled by bums and junkies. If you have 10 people, that'll make a huge impression. If you have 20 or 30, it'll be like you, you, I don't know, like you declared a war. It'll be incredibly effective. So form that organization. What should they be called? We need people need a hook. The town is for the citizens or I don't know. Work on your groovy name. I, we need a groovy name. You don't do up top of your head. All right. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Email us. What should these organizations be called? I, I like the idea of a good, effective, persuasive name because words matter. The people who are homeless by choice, the, the, the junkies and the crooks and, and the bums. I'm not talking about mentally ill people or, or, although, do we give bums and junkies control over our public spaces? Or do the taxpayers have that control? That's the question. Anyway, Absolutely. Good luck. Go get it, because if you don't, nobody will. Humans opposing outward kooks. Hook. We need a hook. <laughs> we got it. How about, you know, uh, what's a B word that works? I mean, if it's spelled out bums or... Junkies is too long, but work on it. Let us know. Do you have an idea? Armstrong, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. In order to take no deal off the table. Members, order, order, order! I say to the Chancellor of the Duchy that when he turns up at our children's school as a parent, he's a very well-behaved fellow. He wouldn't dare behave like that in front of Colin Hall, and neither would I. Don't gesticulate. Don't rant. Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourself. Be a good boy, young man. So is he screaming at Bojo at Boris Johnson? Is that who he's talking to? Or? No, I no. think some other guy. The Chancellor of Duchy? I wish I was that. Sounds like satisfying work. <laughs> we got one more clip from Boris Johnson where he was really uh, laying it on thick and dramatic as they we, do. We think that the friends of this country are to be found in Paris and in Berlin and in the White House. And he thinks that they're in the Kremlin and in Tehran and, and in... <laughs> yeah, bull, bull crap. Oh, God. What an interesting way to run things. We had one person yell at the president years ago, you lie, and this is the, the, the world came to a halt. What? Everybody peed their pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he was lying. What do you know? 
yeah, what's the, what's the benefit of that? Have you ever heard any learned commentator, you know, discussing that? It's hilarious. Well, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it seems to me that it just ends up favoring people that are quick-witted and have loud voices, which is not the best way to make policy. Does it do you any good, though? I mean, is there any... Uh... Is there any point in it, or is it just something that happens? You know what I mean, right? I don't know. And I don't, I don't know either. I have only a vague idea of how their system works, honestly. And you probably have to spend a lifetime studying it. From what I've, you know, the more I learn, the less I know. I brought. I mentioned earlier, my son is at the uh, the the stage in fourth grade where they get to pick out musical instruments, and everybody's going to take a whack at it. And based on my experience, about two thirds of them will, uh, well, about a third will quit within a month. Another third will quit at the end of the year, and you'll have about a third that'll play on through, uh, you know, their school career. Um, at least that's the way it worked at my school. And that and, third will realize the Asian kids are way, way better, and they'll quit at the end of high school. And I did it from fifth grade all the way through my senior year, and I just kept doing it. It was just momentum. I never, oh, I'll read this text. Played trumpet for nine years in school. Good at it. No joy or appreciation, though. That's kind of the way I was. Not a lot of joy or appreciation. I just did it. Um, played bass in a bar for two months, had girls yelling free food and got paid. <laughs> I took the road more traveled. Yeah, I, you know, I played and worked hard at playing the trombone. Don't play the clip, Michael. Don't play it. Um, and then, then tuba and other things. And, you know, it was satisfying in a way, but I mean, even like the performances, you got to put on your your uni or your your black pants and your hard shoes and your white shirt or whatever and go off to some band contest and ride on the bus and sometimes it was kind of fun with your friends but it, you know you end up in some other school for 8 hours and your kids sle- your parents slept along and then you know I started playing rock and roll and there I was in bars late at night people buying me drinks there's you know uh, uh, chicks allegedly um and and just, I don't know <laughs> Does does the world need one more rock and roll bass player, uh, or or a beautiful symphony orchestra more? Well, the yeah. question is not what the world needs. That is own, to me. I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> for your own enjoyment, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I wish I'd uh, taken on the cello like your son is. He settled on the cello, right? Because you get to sit. Right. Yeah. Um. And it's I all, wish I'd taken that on because that'd be a good, you know, bridge to play in bass, which I did. Well, it's all stringed instruments. I guess and the do. theory is uh, because they're super hard to play. You know, there are yeah. no frets on them. It's all about ear training. I guess that's what they're after. But I just I have some concern that it'll be too difficult to get any enjoyment out of because you know other instruments you can play and you know you can make a tune out of them pretty easily. Right. Right. I mean, you press down a valve on a trumpet. Maybe it's going to be a little flat, a little sharp, but it's going to be the note. Yeah. Yeah, with a, a stringed instrument, no frets. Yeah, I, I will tell you this. It will be astonishingly, astonishingly off-putting for you and your bride, <laughs> especially in the early days. I mean, unmusical doesn't begin to describe how terrible it will be. Right, right. Um, uh... The tone itself will be painful. At least it's a lower <laughs> pitch than the violin. True that. Because the violin has got that high <laughs> sound, and the cello will be more of <laughs> So I don't think I can handle that. Yeah, the, the violin sounds like somebody ran over a cat. The cello's more body noise-ish. <laughs> more groany. Well, that was, I think that was, you know, the saving grace for my parents because I played trombone. It was more flatulent mm. than like a badly played trumpet, which Ooh. is a, a shrieking nightmare. Yeah, it really is.
Well, and anyway. I was talking the other day about how you get older. You you don't you don't realize the last time you've ever done something when you're younger until you get older. Remember last was it this summer or last summer? Was it this summer that I crawled down the diving board at the pool? Or last summer. Oh, man. Where I was going to yeah. go off the diving board, and I got out there right. on the end, the high dive. And right. I got out there on the end, and it occurred to me, you haven't been on a diving board in 35 years? <laughs> and uh, and then I thought, what if the cold water gives me a heart attack and I die? So oh, I, that happens. I asked the lifeguard, well, my age, well, you know how many other guys my age were on the diving board that day or any other day? <laughs> any other day? None. Yeah. Or anybody even close. So when I asked the lifeguard, can I climb back down? She kind of laughed and said, yeah. And all the kids had to climb down the ladder. And I, oh, I no. shuffled back. <laughs> but you don't realize that the last time I was on a diving board as a senior in high school, probably, I didn't think, well, this is the last time I'll ever do this. The la- I played the trumpet almost every day for eight years, something like that. And I played my last note as a senior in high school at some point. I don't remember when. And have never touched a trumpet since. And for that, the world is grateful. Yeah, and a lot of other things that you do. Just, oh. It's just funny how the life works. Yeah, and you, you don't know it at the time. That's bittersweet, man. That's that's melancholy. Did the kids at the pool recognize that as a sign of weakness and take your popsicles later on in the afternoon as well? <laughs> how about we could just take that guy's money? Right. How about we could drive his car around the parking lot? <laughs> hey, hey, give me your keys. You. Yeah. The guy has no stones. Please stop. Please stop driving my car. I need to go home. <laughs> Shut up, old man. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.